Brother George, will you pray before Aaron comes? Amen. Thank you, Brother George. See, we're glad to see you this morning. Again, glad that you're here and appreciate that good singing. And uh, We're entering uh, that time of season where we, uh, especially here in Mississippi, uh, storms come uh, this time of year with spring. And, uh, you know, some uh, storms uh, can be very destructive. Uh, you know, there's... Uh, we know here in uh, Mississippi the the great uh, strength of uh, hurricanes uh, and tornadoes, uh, and they can cause a lot of devastation. Uh, and every year there's uh, people who are killed uh, by uh, these storms that, that come through. Um, they last for maybe an hour couple hours but then they are gone and we're left to clean up and before long we're we're back in business but in life we sometimes go through storms in our life that don't just last an hour sometimes they last months and sometimes seems like years uh, and they batter us and so um, this morning I want to talk to us about how we have smooth sailing in the storms. This was an important lesson uh, for the apostles to learn. Uh, and so this morning we're going to take a look at Mark chapter 4, and we're going to start reading in verse 35. Uh, remember, just to remind us earlier in this chapter, uh, Jesus um, shared some different parables um, and uh, but with some different lessons. Uh, and then, so that's kind of the background. Verse 35 says, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And, he had, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat on the boat so uh, that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? It's an interesting uh, 
problem that we have uh, here in uh, this has been teaching. And now all of a sudden, man, they're in trouble. And yet again, they get fearful and afraid. They've done that several times already in the first uh, chapters of the Gospel of Mark. So this isn't anything new with these uh, disciples. Uh, but, you know, it's, if you have children, you get frustrated when you have to tell them the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again. Don't you? You can imagine, Jesus, I think, was the same way. He was like, why do you knuckleheads not get it? Uh, it's, yeah. Jesus has already done some amazing miracles in the Gospel of Mark and given them some important teachings. Remember, he's already fed thousands of people. Uh, and yet here they, they just don't get it. And so I think that I want us to find... Uh, three things that help us to sail smoothly through the storms of life, just like they helped in this incident in Mark chapter uh, 4. That, and so the first thing that we have to do is we must hear the right sounds. That's point one. We must hear the right sounds. So Jesus had been teaching He'd been, you know, giving them these terribles and preaching. And then he says, we need to go, we need to leave here, and we need to go to the other side of the lake. He's all about the Sea of Galilee. It's not a humongous body of water, but it's not a small little body of water either. It's got some size to it. He says, we need to leave here, and we need to go get to the other side. Well, they had a long day of teaching already. They were wore out and tired. And normally when people say, especially in the first century, even the Jewish people were very superstitious. And you remember that when Peter, uh, that storm came up, you remember that story in the Gospels, that uh, storm came up and they were on the sea and they were afraid, they thought the ghost was coming to get them because uh, they saw Jesus walking on the water. Uh, they were very superstitious. And they thought that, you know, demon and evil spirits like to hang out in the water. And they came out and did business in the dark. We all know, you know, bad stuff happens after dark. Uh, you, know, that's, uh, you know, there's no reason for kids to be out at 2 or 3 in the morning because there's nothing good for them to be getting into. Uh, they'll be home in bed. Uh, and that's probably true for most of us adults, too, that there's... There's nothing good for us at, at that time of night either. So, uh, but, so they were very superstitious. And yet they also had walked with Jesus enough to know that when he told them to do something, they needed to do it. And so they were not excited about going. They, I guarantee you the thought was, hey, let's camp for the night. We'll get up early in the morning, eat breakfast, and then we'll go across the lake. I guarantee that thought entered at least one of their minds. But they didn't let committee rule rule. They let Jesus rule. They got into the boat, 
And Mark, this is recorded for us, interestingly, in Matthew and Luke as well, but Mark is the only one that mentions that there were other boats that were sailing along with them, which tells us that there were other people that said they knew, and they normally wouldn't have sailed at night either. But Jesus said, hey, we need to get to the other side tonight. So they got Jesus in the boat, and they went sailing across the Sea of Galilee. Others were in small boats, and they went sailing too. Then in the midst of that, a hurricane-type wind, not just a little breeze, but hurricane-force winds came walloping about and started rocking the boat, and just, if you've ever been out in the wind, if you're one of those crazy people that instead of, you know, when the tornado siren's going off, you're supposed to be in the innermost part of your house, or, you know, the room without windows, or in the bathtub or something, that's what normal people do, but some people are not normal. They go outside, and look, say, yep, sure enough is the wind blowing, Man, that rain is coming down, and it tells you that kind of hurts. But they're out there looking. And they're always, you know, some people out, when tornadoes come, there's always some people out there, you know, say, I'm going to go see it. But when a tornado comes, you don't need to be out looking to see it. You need to be, high, you know, somewhere safe so that when it goes through, uh, you're not uh, finding yourself in the land of Oz all of a sudden. So, they heard the right, they obeyed Jesus. They heard the word, that, hey, we need to get to the other side now. But they forgot that when the storm came up. Jesus had told them, we need to get to the other side. And then he went down to the bottom of the boat and went to sleep. He wasn't concerned about getting safely. Did he know that hurricane force wind was going to, that storm was coming up? I can assure you he knew it. But the disciples, like they were so often prone to do, forgot what Jesus told them. It was easy for them when there was no real immediate danger. They got into the boat and went. Though they were apprehensive about it, they went. But all of a sudden, when danger came, oh my goodness, it's like their brain left them. And they're fearful and afraid. And so they get in a tizzy because water's coming on a boat, and guess what happens? We all know what happens. Even Colby knows what happens. When water gets into a boat, if enough of it gets in there, what's going to happen? That boat's going down. And so we know there were at least 13 people on this little boat, the 12 disciples and Jesus. There were perhaps more than that. But there was only one that wasn't afraid. And he was downstairs trying to sleep because it was nighttime and that's what you're supposed to do at night. But instead of hearing the voice of Jesus, they heard the howl of the wind. Just like you remember when Peter... What, you know, they were all afraid. But Jesus said, peace, don't be afraid, it's I. And you remember Peter's response, Lord, if it's you, call me to come to the water. And Jesus said, come. What did Peter do? He jumped out of that boat. And he walked on water. 
at least for a minute. Because he heard Jesus' voice and he obeyed it. But then what did he do? He put his eyes on the waves and he began to sink. He heard the, the noise of waves and the wind and he listened to that instead of listening to the words of Jesus. When Jesus tells us to do something, sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's hard. But if Jesus has told us to do it, we can be assured we're 100% capable of doing it. Not in our own strength, but in his strength working through us. And so when Jesus told the disciples, hey, we need to go to the other side of this lake. We need to be over there because in the morning I've got something I need to do. They should have listened to that and said, you know what? Yeah, we've got this hurricane winds and this boat is kind of rickety. And, but Jesus said we're getting to the other side, so we're going to get to the other side somehow. We're just going to trust him. That's what they should have done, but that's not what they did. You see, in our life, we have to be sure that we listen to and hear the right sounds. This world will put negative things and tell us what we can't do. And they'll tell us the things that go against God's word and against God's will. And if we're not very careful, we mistake it for God's direction. We have to be sure that we hear and listen to the right sounds. But then secondly, in these few verses, we have a very important lesson. Not only do we have to hear the right sounds, but secondly, we must also see the right sights. We have to make sure that we see the right things. So the disciples heard Jesus' command, we're going to the other side. They heard that. They got in the boat and started off. And then the storm came and they started listening to the wrong things. But they also saw the wrong thing. What did they focus on? They focused on that water coming up in the boat. And they focused on looking at not only their boat, but the boats that were around them. They were rocking and shaking and, you know, probably cracking. They said, oh my, we're, we're goners. We're dead for sure. What should they have been focused on? They should have been focused on the fact, you know what? Jesus isn't up here with us. Where is he? He's down in the stern of the boat taking a sleep. Now, if you're fearful, you know, or got anxiety, are you going to sleep? No, you're not. What they should have focused on, you know what? Our Savior and Lord is asleep down in the boat. And so if he's not afraid of the storm that we're facing, 
we shouldn't be either. Jesus felt the rocking of the boat. He knew what was going on. And yet he wasn't concerned about it. He was asleep. And the thing is, the disciples knew that he was asleep because when they were afraid, they knew exactly where to go to wake him up. They said, don't you care that we're about to perish in this blooming storm because you couldn't wait until morning to go to the other side. And Jesus says to them, Aren't you paying attention? You should have noticed. You should have seen the right things. And you see, when we focus on the negatives and we focus on our problems and we allow those to infiltrate our life and that takes up our time and our thinking, we get ulcers, we don't sleep, we get overwhelmed. And I'm not saying we don't deal with it, you know, we have to deal with issues as they come up, but we shouldn't get overwhelmed with them. What's the proper response? The proper response is take them to the Lord in prayer and let him handle them. Because in reality, he's the only one that can. So there's this great, beautiful chorus. It's in our, our hymn book, I think. Uh, Turn your eyes on Jesus. It's a Gaither uh, little chorus. Turn your eyes on Jesus. And then the problems of life will grow strangely deep. Not that they're not there. But that's not where your focus is. And that's not where you expend most of your energy. When you're looking at Jesus, you know what? You're reminded, hey, Jesus has me. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to doubt. I don't have to, you know, be negative about my circumstance and situation or likelihood that I'm going to overcome these obstacles because Jesus is by my side. Jesus said, I will never forsake you. Jesus says, I will be with you. said, peace. He says to the disciples over and over again, and I think he says to us as well, do not be afraid. Do not let fear immobilize you. Focus on the right, seeing the right thing. Sometimes problems come and really, the problems are blessings in disguise. Sometimes. Sometimes the things that we think that we need are really not the things that we need. But when we focus on Jesus and we allow Him to be the Lord of our life and we trust Him and we focus on Him, and we see the promises and we see and we remember the things that God has done in the past. 
And we've seen the promises that God has made in His Word. And we know that God is faithful to keep His promises. Think about Goliath and David in the Old Testament. You remember that story probably, don't you, from 1 Samuel? The people of Israel were at war against the Philistines. And King Saul was this big, tall guy handsome. Everybody was happy when he was king. He said, oh man, what a handsome king we've got, just like all these other nations. And man, he's tall, and he's going to be a big warrior. And where is he at in battle? He's hiding in the tent with all the rest of them, afraid of this big old giant Goliath. And scrawny David, little ruddy teenage boy, came up. And you remember what he said? He said, what is this Philistine that he's going to mock God? Don't you remember that God has promised that he will be with you and that he will give you victory? And so he said, I will go and I will fight this old Goliath. And you remember Goliath laughed. But he wasn't laughing long. Because that ruddy teenage boy grabbed five stones, put one of them in a slingshot, wound it up, and let it go. And that stone plopped him in the head and knocked him up. He fell over dead. And then just to make sure, this ruddy teenage boy took Goliath's own sword and chopped his head off. The Israelites had let the sights of danger and fear things that seemed like giants in their life, keep them from seeing what God had promised. David put his sights on the right thing. He still had to fight a battle. But when he put his eyes on the right thing, he won the battle. And friend, can I tell you that when you keep your eyes on the right things, you will eventually win the battle too. Doesn't mean you won't have some scars. Doesn't mean that it will, you know, not leave you drained or tired. Or Jesus doesn't say that, but he says you'll get through it. But in order for you to get through it, you've got to keep your eyes on the right thing. You've got to look at the right things. If you keep your eyes on the things of this world, you're going to be in trouble. And watching the news, I mean, that's the perfect recipe for depression, if ever there was one. There's so much junk and crap going on in this world that if that's all we focus on, we're going to be miserable. Now, it doesn't mean that we ignore the stuff that's the evil that's going on in the world, but we don't let that destroy us, and we don't let us, that keep us from God. We say, you know what, this world sure is in a mess, but we have a God that can fix it and make it better. And one day, we'll take this old sin-fallen world full of junk and remake it into a brand new earth where there will be no sin. And there will be no darkness. But in order to do that, we have to keep our sights on the right things. You know, most accidents happen because people are distracted. 
They're looking at their cell phone or they're looking at, you know, billboard site or they're changing the radio station or, you know, doing something that has taken their attention off of what it should be on, the road in front of. And I tell you, Satan can get you to take your eyes off of Jesus. He's got you right where he wants you. And can I tell you, he's going to eat you for lunch. But the reality is that when we keep our eyes on Jesus, when we see the right things, we're going to be okay. And that brings me to the last point. Not only must we see, hear the right sounds and see the right sights, we must trust the right Savior. We must trust in the right Savior, knowing that a strong boat is not going to save you. We all know what happened to the Titanic that was built as an unsinkable ship, the greatest ocean liner that was ever created. We all know it sank on its very first voyage. So it, we can't trust in the things of this world. We can't trust in our fame. We can't trust in money. But the thing we can trust in that will never let us down is trusting in the right Savior. And his name is Jesus. He was down in the stern of the boat taking a nap. And the disciples very incorrectly assumed that meant he didn't care about them. They ran down and said, hey, Jesus, what is the deal? How are you sleeping? This boat's about to sink and we're all going to die. Jesus got up, went up on the deck of that ship and spoke to the wind, said, peace. And just like that, the wind stopped. And just like that, the sea became calm. And then Jesus turned and said, Why do you doubt? He said, Didn't we just feed thousands of people with a little boy's sack lunch? Hadn't I raised people from the dead? Haven't I cast out demons? Haven't I healed people of all kinds of different sicknesses? So with your mouth you've said, I am Lord. Why don't you recognize it with your life? It's interesting to me. I don't think that Jesus' sleep shows that he wasn't concerned. I think he trusted that everything was going to be okay. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 3. It's an interesting comparison. Of Psalm 3, verses 1 through 8. It says, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me, and many are saying of my soul, Uh-oh, all right. So just, I'll, I'll read it. You just have to, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from the holy hill. 
I lay down and slept, he says in verse 5. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek and you break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessings be on your people. So the psalmist understood and said, you know what? Being able to sleep in the midst of storms isn't a lack of concern. It's the presence of trust. Trusting that God is there and that God will bring victory no matter what. Satan will try to get you look at your circumstances. Look at how bad things are. Look at how impossible things seem to be. He'll try to discourage you and keep you from doing what God has asked you to do and believe what God has said. And yet the psalmist knew and understood, you know, even though people have said there's no salvation for him in God, God, you have delivered me, and not only do I know that you're going to deliver me, I'm going to show it by how I live my life, and so I'm going to go to sleep. I'm not going to let all these people that are coming against me and people saying bad things about me Keep me awake and keep me from living my life that you've called me to. He said, I'm going to go to sleep. And then you know what he says? He says, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to wake up in the morning for the Lord sustains me. Jesus understood that as long as we're in God's will, we're safe. And though the storms may seem rocky, and though there may be some turbulence, Jesus assures us, hey, it's going to be okay. So don't fret. So how do we sail smoothly through the storms of life when things come our way? It's not that we put our head in the sand and just pretend everything's hunky-dory. No, rather, we trust in God Almighty that loves us, that he loved us so much he came and died for us on the cross of Calvary. To pay my sin debt and your sin and the sin debt of all the world. He did that so that we could have eternal life and so that we could be a part of his family. And I tell you that you fight for your family. When you, you may or may not fight for anybody else, but you're going to fight for your family. Paul said it this way, if God is for us, who can be against us? We must trust the right Savior. Can I tell you, there's people in this world, there's maybe people in churches sitting in pews, maybe even someone here today. They're trusting, though they sit, you know, they come to church and they do the right thing, but really the Savior they're trusting is, is themselves. So you know what, I can make enough money, I can work hard enough, I can you know, do enough that this problem is just going to overcome, I can fix it. 
guess what is true 100% of the time? You can't fix it. The only thing you trying to fix it does is make it worse. But there is a Savior who can and who will if you'll allow him. But you need to understand the Savior is not you and it's not the government. It's not even church. Is church important? Yeah, you know I think church is important. But church can't save anyone. A denomination can't save anyone. The only one that can save anyone is Jesus Christ. And the thing is, Scripture says that Jesus will save anyone that asks him. These knucklehead disciples so afraid and didn't have much faith and ran down to Jesus and said, hey, why don't you care about us? Jesus saved even them. When Peter was sinking, he cried out, Lord, save me, and Jesus reached out his hand and lifted him back up so he didn't sink and drown. When you cry out, you say, stock market, save me. Guess what? You found out a lot here lately over the last several years. Stock market ain't going to save you. It goes up and down and up and down and up and down. There's not security in that. So, oh, the government's going to save me. <laughs> Please. But there is one who, when you call out, Lord, save me, he will stretch his hand out. And he will say to those storms in life, peace. And when Jesus speaks peace to your life, guess what there's going to be? There's going to be peace. But only if you listen to the right sounds and look at the right sights and trust in the right Savior. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Lord, thank you that you do say that you'll get us safely to the other side of the storms that come into our life. And Lord, maybe this has just been a needed reminder, but Lord, I have a feeling there's some here today and some watching on the internet. Lord, they're going through storms in life and they're beaten down and they're discouraged. And they're about to give up. Lord, would you speak to them? And would you say to them, peace? God, help us to trust you. Help us to understand you are the only Savior that can do anything about the ills that we face in life. Help us to trust you. For your word says in Psalm chapter 3, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Lord, help us to remember and acknowledge and trust you as Savior. Lord, help us to keep our eyes on the right things, to keep our eyes on you and your word and the things you've promised us rather than on the discouragement of this world. And Lord, help us to hear the promises that you've made to us. Help us to hear your leading and direction. 
For you never guide us and take us someplace where you do not sustain us and keep us. But Lord, the only way we can make it safely through the storms of life is by trusting you. To having you as the captain at the helm of the ship. And so, Lord, if there's one here today that you're not the captain of that ship, would you help them today to surrender? Say, Lord, I've been captain enough, and boy, we've made a mess. Forgive me and and right my course, Lord. Lord, maybe there's one of your children here today, and they've not been listening to you. Maybe this message today has pricked their hearts and reminded them that It's always best to obey the Lord. For when we trust, we also obey. Lord, forgive us when we don't do that the way we should. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together. And if there's a decision you need to make today, today would be a great day to make it.